Here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain. And yes, this is the thing that I normally do. I run a podcast. So thank you to all the viewers. Uh, broke a 500 views today. We broke 500 views on the video essay put out last week. I'm very proud of that. That being said, to all of you who are going to unsubscribe, thank you so much for joining us for however brief a time. We'll see you for the next video essay thingy doesn't matter all that matters to the real ones to the ogs to the podcast listeners and viewers is that we have an amazing representative from all chat sports tonight we have heihada who is an amazing commentator you can find on the regular for all these slippy events including on the salt mine happens thursday nights twitch.tv slash all chat esports hada thank you so much for joining me how are you doing tonight Dude, I'm having such a great day. Thank you so much for having me. I've honestly been a fan of the podcast for a bit. I'm a big proponent of if I'm in the car, I have to have something going. Either I'm on speaker talking to my girlfriend on the phone or I am listening to, honestly, The Yard or this podcast or sometimes Melee. That's how the Melee stats, guys, of course. But, Love um, waiting for yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, there's a lot of great content going out, and you're definitely one of those big listeners that i get you know on the way to work on the way back from work uh going out to play drop in volleyball whatever whatever what have you but um definitely am been a fan of the podcast and i'm happy to be here thank you so much for listening yes i think i had this thought halfway through the year of 2021 when i was because i started in january of last year i thought maybe the way that i build a fan base is to literally invite people on and some of them will just end up listening to the podcast afterwards <laughs> might not be a bad idea i mean it's the quickest way to get viewer retention it's like oh, i'm at least gonna listen to my episode you know what i mean <laughs> I think a lot of people come out of it feeling pretty good about how, how it all went. So hopefully we'll have that happen again here tonight. Yeah. I am so intrigued by your story because first of all, Zets is a fellow mutual of ours. Zets is a friend of the show. Zets yeah. has been on this podcast before. Yes, we had a great episode. And this was at the peak of Zets TikTok, CEO of Melee TikTok, right? <laughs> yeah, I love, I love Zets content. Inexplicably <laughs> said, nope. I'm done. <laughs> that's, that's of course all good. It's that's, you do what you got to do, mm -hmm. but not once do I remember him mentioning such a cool co-commentator bringing up Hada in terms of the commentating space. Now that's not how you got started with melee, mm -hmm. but yeah. all the way back in 2014 is when you started to make your mark, started to go to tournaments. And I love mm -hmm. talking about origin stories. So I would love yeah. to get into yours. How did you get sure. into melee? So I'm actually going to throw it way back. So Oh, let's go. Imagine, imagine me like little, little Hada, uh, back in God, it must have been 2006, 2005. And I had an older, technically uncle, but he was like a cousin. He was like a very young uncle on my mom's side of my family. And parents were out to date night and he was babysitting me, but he was a big gamer. And so I were hanging out. He made me some tacos and we we're on the TV and on, I think it was Spike TV or something. It was PC Chris versus KDJ grand finals of MLG championships. Wow. And I got to watch that as a kid. And I wow. was like, and like, we would play GameCube games all the time. Like we love to play like thousand year door. We love to play melee. We love to play Mario Kart. Like double dash was my ish. And he introduced me to uh, shout outs to custom robo. That game is amazing by the way. Um, but so we grinded out GameCube games, but I vividly remember watching that grand final set. And I'm like, dude, melee is so cool like really good smash players are so cool and so that always stuck in my head and then proceed this was back when lived in texas i moved to colorado which i actually recently moved back definitely a little cyclical cycle 
And um, I was in high school. I ended up going to Reedish Jesuit High School in um, Aurora, Colorado. And you guys might know this guy. Um, his tag is Fizz or Fizzwiggle. And uh, he was one of my really good friends in high school. And then we had an open house like our senior year. And we were in the retro gaming club. And it was Evan and I in grand finals of Smash 64. And we got kicked out mid-set. Like we oh, were in the house, we oh. this little tournament in this open house, and we got kicked out mid set. Disrespectful. I know, isn't it? <laughs> but um, so we never know who actually ended up winning that set, and uh, we haven't played Smash sixty four together since. But <laughs> so fast forward, it's about twenty fifteen. I think it's Full Bloom two or Full Bloom one. Uh, shout outs to that series, probably my favorite Midwest um uh, tournament series of all time. Wait, even whoa, up whoa. with Big House, even up with Big say. House, man. The I mean, they have the great rocks uh, it, the wobble cam. I remember the wobble cam for the most recent one before the <laughs> pandemic. And that was the only full yeah. bloom I watched live. But you're telling me, wait, we'll just, well, you could tell that now we'll, or we'll, you can we'll get circle to it later. Back. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Um, I, I have a really fond place in my heart for the full bloom series. It was my first big, like, quote unquote, national. And it made it extra special. And I think that's why I hold it in this regard because I show up to the venue. I was only spectating, I didn't uh, compete. And I look across the ballroom of the Bloomington like convention center and I see, is that Evan? Like, I'm just like, is that Evan? What? Why is Evan here? And so I go on Facebook and I almost like ran up and grabbed him and like hugged him. But I'm like, <laughs> if that's not Evan, I just hugged some random dude and that's going to be really weird. So I messaged him on Facebook. I'm like, where are you right now? And he goes, oh, long time no see. I'm in Bloomington, Indiana. And I ran up and grabbed him. And he was next to DSJ and um, a handful of Colorado players who I got to know really, really well at that time. And that really sparked a, a thing because, like, separately, unbeknownst to either of us, we both really got into high-level Melee. So we started going to tournaments. We were teaming at some events. And now we've, like, the best of friends. So it's such a cool thing. And, of course, um. Went out and did my undergrad in Cincinnati, Ohio at Xavier University. And um, I went to all the University of Cincinnati locals. And that sparked into uh, my commentary career, which was Cincinnati Smash Classic 6 or 5 in 2015, like winter of 2015. And um, the stream was going on. And what was crazy is the top eight was Dreffen or the top three, Dreffen, Hanky Panky, and Captain Faceroll, who was living in Chicago at the time. And so no one was commentating. And there was just a stream set up, and the guys were playing, and people were watching, and no one was commentating. And there was a whole commentary getup. And I walked up, and the um, it was Steve. Uh, Trashboat was his tag at the time. Super sick since old school Cincinnati TO. And I'm like, do you need a commentator? Like, And I, like, I had no idea what I was saying. And I hopped on <laughs> for literally Dreffen versus... Dreffen versus Hanky, and then Hanky versus Face Roll. Like, these are sets that, like, I should not have been talking about. I did not know anything about Melee. I was so in over my head. I got roasted in Twitch chat. Like, all these players who didn't make it out to the tournament were like, get this kid off the mic. He's awful. He doesn't know anything about the game. He's awkward. Someone please, like, kick him off. And then these two Chicago players ended up taking the mic from me halfway through Grand Finals. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that sucked. And then... In comes Justin Zetz, and he DMs me on Facebook, and he's like, hey, man, I saw your commentary block, and I'm proud of you for stepping up, but, like, if you would have me, I would want to give you some advice. And I'm like, sure, man, no problem. And I was expecting, like, three, four little tidbits or something, like, go watch a bunch of sets, learn about the game, um, 
work on your filler words, something like that. But it was a six page document, six word document <laughs> pages, just absolutely tearing into me with timestamps, with specific interactions. It was brutal. Like it, he ripped apart my soul. And, you know, it was the best thing that had ever happened to me in the commentary sphere because I took it to heart and I read into it and I went back and checked and watched the VODs and I'm like, wow, I am awful. But with fixing <laughs> all these things, I can be okay. And okay is good. And then I can work to being good. And with confidence comes great. So get all that done. I start commentating Cincinnati locals at University of Cincinnati. I commentate some of the, um, our Arcadian, which was Dojo 1 and 2. And then I started to build up a little bit. And with that, I started to make friends with the Melee Everyday crew. So shout-outs to Juna. Juna's and Flashburn. Those guys are absolutely so sick. Love those dudes. And Juna would start DMing. He's like, hey, are you going to this regional? I really need some good commentators. And I'm like, okay. And so I'd start going to these regionals and... I would like get my venue covered or whatever. And I would travel a lot with Cal at the time, who was tag is now Essie. And so we'd have the Cincinnati top player, the Cincinnati commentator hop in a car and we just go. And um, that goes along. And I start going to these regionals, regionals, regionals. And I end up at smash and splash four. And I had made, I had started streaming back in like 2016, 2017. And, um, I was like stream friendlies out of my dorm room. I would play some Fortnite or whatever. That was the was the hotness at the time, <laughs> and um, I would stream to these DGen hours because I was a DGen college student and I just didn't know what sleep was. And Reeve, the the Kentucky Marth, was the DGen streamer, and I love Reeve. That dude's awesome. And um, what ended up happening was is like I was a big Mango viewer. If I wasn't streaming, I was watching Mango stream, and then Mango would usually host Reeve because Reeve would start stream at like two a.m. and he'd <laughs> like play net play friendlies all night. And so Reeve and I became pretty close. And um, he was commentating Smash and Splash Four with um, with a, with uh, the Melee Everyday crew. We think it was Jake Spear and Jack Siller or something. Two blocks. And at that tournament, he and Lance in the Pants were teaming, and they beat hbox and captain crunch in teams and so they had nice. to play like they had to play like pull up in m2k next and they're like dude i'm playing so good i went and talked to juna and you are about to have your first block in a major and i'm like what <laughs> and so i'm like wearing like shorts and like this random tank it said stud muffin on it it was like stud plus oh let's go it was a red tank and i don't remember where it is now but i had it ever since high school and i didn't have a hawaiian shirt and so i'm just like i don't have a hawaiian shirt i'm at smash and splash i don't know what to do i'm nervous what's going on and he's like dude don't worry you're like one of the best commentators i know from the midwest please just go you're gonna you're gonna kill it and i'm like okay and so i ran behind the production setup and i'm like how much time do I have? I don't have a Hawaiian shirt. I really want a Hawaiian shirt if I'm going to do this. I'm like, yeah, sure, dude. Um, You have like 45 minutes. I'm like, okay. And so I'm like calling people. I'm like, do you have a Hawaiian? Do you have a Hawaiian? Do you have a Hawaiian? And I'm literally running around the venue like a psychopath and like tr looking for my friends, looking for someone who has an extra shirt. And there's this dude like posted up in the hallway, like leaning against the wall, kind of just chilling, like watching something on his phone with his friend. And he has this sick hawaiian shirt and if um i think it's um it's on my twitter somewhere but it's like it's my first block at smash and splash like this beautiful hawaiian shirt i'm like dude this is gonna sound so weird but can i borrow your shirt your shirt's amazing <laughs> and he's like uh 
why? And he goes, <laughs> I, I, got, I have to commentate Melee right now. It's my first block at a major. I'll shout you out on stream. I'll give it right back after. But, you know, it's this is just a really big thing for me. He's like, oh, it's my dad's, by the way. But, like, I, I guess you can borrow it. And so this dude literally gave me the shirt <laughs> off his back so I could go and commentate with confidence. And um, uh. that literally, like, ignited that passion in me. So I, like, I honestly had a great block. Um commentated with someone who's currently redacted so we can't get into that unfortunately so but it was an awesome block i commentated um joey the ganondorf versus hbox and uh hbox went ganon and ganon did him and it was a really really sick block and then i commentated big house the year after countless regionals shout outs to the show me your move series out of champaign illinois those are they one one of the probably the sickest smaller knit communities the champagne crew on top of running probably the best regionals in the entire country super super sick shout outs to the uiuc crew and um yeah it's that's my kickstart into commentary and melee and uh, i realized I probably talked for a hot minute but you know that's how we're here you're you're here to talk about yourself and really <laughs> what can i add because i don't know you that well and i'm really excited to get to know you better because that's the whole thing right it's not just about the grimy melee content you know this is a reforming <laughs> connections here reforming connections here and yeah. what i love hearing is about how how proud you are of the Midwest, the place that kind of grew you into the person that you are for commentating at the very least. And something that I heard from Juggle Guy when he was on the show is how proud he was and is of Midwest tournament organizing. He takes great pride in saying, hey, maybe we don't always have the best players. Maybe we don't <laughs> have the glamour of East Coast versus West Coast, but we run the best events. And it's something that he really takes pride in. I think that it's almost as if the tone is set by the biggest, like, you know, the biggest tournament sort of like has a trickle down effect or would you disagree with the Midwest specifically? Right. Um, I, I think jungle guy, Rob said it perfectly. Um, the Midwest takes a lot of pride in giving a sick product. We want to make sure that if you're coming out to God, the middle of <laughs> BF nowhere, Detroit, um, Indiana, I went to a tournament in a in like a little jit like um church rec center in the middle of godforsaken indiana like there wasn't a city within like two two hours drive either way like you're <laughs> literally in the middle of nowhere but none showed up red showed up um it was like the sickest grand finals it was none versus zamu and i commentated all of top 48 on <laughs> juna's birthday it was juna's birthday i commentated all of top 48. <laughs> I literally stood up after top eight and I couldn't feel my legs. I had been sitting for so long. My God, what, but Shadow does such a sick tournament. It was Smashville 7. But again, run spectacularly, run on time. All the people there were having an amazing time. And honestly, the top eight was such, was so top heavy. It was like Boyd, DeShizwiz, Nun, um, Zamu, Shabo, Michael. Uh, I can't remember the other two. Oh, Abate. And um, I think it was Dave Mon. Dave Mon was also in top eight. And he's now one of the biggest North American League of Legends streamers. So shout outs to Dave Mon. His pike is sick. Best pike one trick in the world. Um, so he made, uh, he hella upgraded, let's be real. <laughs> but um, yeah. I digress. But yeah, so the Midwest um, melee scene. Yeah, it really boils down to if you go to that big house, if you go to that smash and splash, if you go to that 
um i guess even like fringe um like smash cons i know they're like technically pennsylvania but whatever you know i'll, I'll, I'll kind of like don't, don't you dare that's technically virginia by the way <laughs> chancellor virginia, virginia. <laughs> it is virginia i have not gone to a smash con I've been to, but like it, it's one of those like my point is like you go to a tournament in fight what pit. Kind of like the middle of nowhere yes fight Pit's pit right. fight yeah. Pit's a mm -hmm. series i yeah, love yeah. the fight pit series and so if you go to this tournament, like, you're not going there to go to the beach. You're not going there to go to a crazy downtown bar scene. You're not going there to go to some crazy extravagant tropical location. You're going there to play Smash. But if you're going to go there, it's going to be a sick product. It's going to be run well. It's going to have excellent competition, run on time, run properly, run safely, plenty of setups, food available, drinks available. Everyone feels safe and at home. And that's something you can always find in a good Midwest tournament. I'll be honest. And will also be graced with commentary blocks from yours truly in Ace Hada. <laughs> I Ace, sure hope so. I sure Ace, do hope so. It became a more recent part of your life, right? This was back in mid-November. You made the announcement, hey, I'm with All Chat Esports, which is admittedly a new organization in the first place mm -hmm. and i first heard about salt mine because i heard about top eight results or grand finals you know the clips make their way through twitter and i go okay cool salt mine okay so i guess that's the thursday night thing now and that's just sort of like how it came into my consciousness and seeing you and also the fact that ace went after jflex that was my mm -hmm. first introduction to all chatty sports formally when i had jflex right. on the show uh before smash world tour very very cool concept because there's not a lot of <laughs> there's not a lot of weeklies especially online slippy weeklies that say hey we have um we have a nice little prize pool for the people who make it high enough in the bracket of course mm -hmm. people love to play melee in general all right, we did not get here because of sweet, sweet paychecks. All of <laughs> all throughout Melee's history, it's always been one, two, three bucks short of a dollar for sure. So I love the fact that there's at least a little bit of something. I love the fact that they're going not only after people like JFlex, great players, and also more recently Bbat. So also a friend of the program. Congrats to you, Bbats, for signing with Ace. But then also for you, I I read professional commentator ace hada i was like oh oh that's great because that means to me there's a legitimate full investment i don't want to get mean to golden guardians or get mean to tof but i was especially excited for that too when i first heard when they not only signed none they not only signed ppmd they also signed tof I knew that they weren't signing Toph because he was going to commit to becoming a top 100 or a top 50 player. I knew that was because of his entertainment value, the commentary that he does, the Twitch stream that he is able to present and how connected he is to the scene. I mean, Toph is like a great person to go after and sign. So I picture you just sort of following those footsteps of saying, Hada is very well connected in the Midwest community, is well connected to the melee scene in general. And you have a lot of value to offer, even if it's not on the sticks. Right. So I yeah, love uh, I love hearing that. Yeah, you know, big shout outs to Ace, Slumlord, MDJ, XOR, all the production staff that goes into making all chat what it is. And what's what's crazy is like I didn't know anything about the salt mine. I didn't know anything about all chat. But um, you know, I came back to Colorado this past summer and you know, just for post grad and working and trying to you know, be an adult and all that good stuff. And um, I went to a tournament at um, at the Blood Falcon Trap House, which is a, a house tournament that got hosted for um, Colorado's Poliar's own birthday. It was his 21st birthday. And so the Trap House hosted a sick like uh, tournament. And um, 
we had there's there's pictures on Twitter. If someone really wants to go and find it, it was a really sick event. But someone had donated enough cash to get, I think it was like twelve boxes of the Kool Aid jammers, like you know, like the Capri Sun things. And it's just a meme at the Blood Falcon Trap House that we just slam jammers whenever you whenever you want to. <laughs> and so there was literally like the island was just stacked with Kool Aid jammers, and I'm just like. <laughs> Who in their right mind bought like 20 boxes of Kool-Aid jammers? And they're like, oh, this homie Slumlord is at the tournament. He's a new player. He's from Colorado. And um, he has this new esports org he's trying to get off the ground. And he donated some money to us to buy us some Kool-Aid jammers. And I'm like, that's sick. And so I started talking to this guy. And it's literally his first in-person tournament. And um, I'm like, hey, Grant, so give me the spiel. Like, what are you here for? Like, what's, what's your story? And so he broke it down. He's like, yeah, I mean, I've been passionate about melee for a long time and I have, you know, the funding and I want to get something going. And I run this tournament called the salt mine online. And, uh, you know, I commentated with my friend and we're not very good, but like, we have a good time. We put a prize pool up and I started looking into it on my phone, like while he's playing and I'm like, Oh my God, like this, this has the bones, like the skeletal structure to be something really cool. And so I'm there and I'm I'm one of the few people in the entire community that's like, I don't really care about like competing to get top placements anymore. I'm literally here to commentate top eight. Like people are like, oh, my goal is to get top eight or my goal is to get top four. My goal is to win. My goal is like, I'm my goal is to commentate top eight. Like that's that's that energy that I put towards. It's like, if I want to go to a tournament, I want to, if I'm going to commentate, I want to commentate the really big, really hype matches. I want to provide the best experience to the listeners, to the viewers, and be as professional and be a asset to the production team. Like, that's my energy when I go to a tournament. And, like, of course, this is the house tournament. Everyone's drinking. was having a good time. I'm commentating, like, on the couch with some friends and whatever. And um, Grant pulled me aside. He's like, hey, someone told me, like, you're, like, a quote-unquote professional commentator. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I can send you some <laughs> stuff if you want me to. So I sent him my commentary reel. And he DM'd me the next day. He's like, you want to commentate the salt line this week? And I'm like, I would love to. And so that started a great working relationship between myself and all chat. And then a couple weeks go by and um, MGJ, who is the other big production head, one of the two, one of the three, but it's behind Grant as well, who make all chat what it is. And he's like, yeah, I keep watching all these other weeklies and like MDJ plays ultimate. So, and doesn't play much melee. Um, and he's very new to both. And he goes, yeah. And like from a new player's perspective and from someone who doesn't know much about smash, like, all these commentators are so much worse than Hada. And that's his words, not mine. I would never slander anyone else who hops on the mic. And I, of course, I don't know who he was talking about. But he's like, yeah, I'm watching all these tournaments, and Hada is so much better than them. And I'm like, one, that's a huge ego boost to me. They're better and than two, the ultimate like... commentators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some great ultimate commentators, but anyway. Um, yeah, so he gave me this awesome compliment, and Grant you called me on Discord, and he goes, hey – would you want to be like our go-to guy? Like, do you want to be all chat Hada, just be our sponsored commentator? And he goes, like Toph. And so it's really interesting that you brought that up because, yeah, I saw what Toph has been doing, and I've always been a big fan of what Toph has brought to the scene, not just on the mic, but also as an ambassador, also as a presence, also as a community figure, where he can be that bridge that brings Melee into a bigger limelight because – he started off because he was well, he was well, he was top hundred in the world. That dude's sick in melee, but like he's 
confident, he's charismatic, and he puts forth an awesome product that can be digested not by the not just by the most dedicated diehard melee fans, but from dedicated diehard melee fans, roommates in college, like people who know nothing about melee, and can start to understand and see the complexity and beautiful like like diversity that melee can bring like to an audience and i really really appreciate that so he's super digestible to everyone else who could possibly ever hear what he has on the mic so that's been a big inspiration to me and um the fact that i'm hearing that and i'm getting those comparisons it's a it's a, it's a really big shout that i'm going in the right direction but also do you get a slightly offended when you become somebody that gets compared to other people on a frequent basis because it <laughs> it hasn't really happened to me where somebody says oh you remind me of so-and-so in the podcasting world because believe it or not there are actually a fair amount of melee podcasts not all of them are active right now but there are a fair amount of them so thankfully i haven't been like directly compared to like one or the other to another host or what have you but if that were to start to happen i would go oh because it's a compliment yes it always will be and i will remember that but i also like being my own person so in all of this you sounds to me as if you care very much about how events go from the commentator's perspective so that when you're actually going up on the mic, it's not just about, oh, I'm going to yell when it gets hype, or I'm going to try to talk smack, I'm going to try to analyze and be super analytical and draw in these viewers, baby. Um, it seems like you sort of try to capture everything as best you can. That is the ultimate challenge of a commentator. And I think that's something that there's, you know, there's there's people who do that really well. And I would categorize, categorize you as one of them. It's just that when you get put there, then the other names that are around that do similar things or are good at commentating, Toph being one mm -hmm. of them. Does that make you say to yourself, oh, I need to differentiate myself more? Or do you still just take it as a compliment? Right. I think that's a very interesting perspective to take is like when you're quote unquote like on the come up like you can see like a top player like an up-and-coming player like oh he's like Dreffen but worse or he's like Kalamazoo but worse he's like Mango but worse or whatever like he does you do you see this structure you see this roadmap you see this um like skeleton of what makes a successful blank you know what I mean and um when it comes to commentary specifically it's really easy to draw comparisons and I've drawn a lot of inspiration and um, how you say, like, um, like additives to my commentary from a lot of other different casters and commentators, not just from Melee. Like, I, I've been a big sportsman. I've been a sports fan for the most of my life. So listening to NFL commentary, listening to NHL commentary, listening to MLB commentary, like, on the radio. Like, you can hear how people, especially with inflection, breath timing, and the very bones of what makes a professional voice on a mic can be drawn from anywhere. So when I was quote unquote on my come up, so the Smash and Splash 4, Big House 8, uh, Smashville 7, uh, Show Me Your Moves 20, like that era, like the 2017, 2018, 2019-ish era was I was in, you could see in Twitch chat, they're like, yo, who's this guy? He kind of sounds like James Chen. He kind of sounds like Prague. He kind of sounds like Toph. He kind of sounds like this, this, that, or the other thing. And that could either be from my inflection, from my style of commentary, from whatever and you people can't help but draw comparisons and i can't, I can't really say that i felt like cut down or like oh i sound like this person meaning that i'm below them that could also be like okay well you're in that same vein you're in that group so if you have a group of 
of of poker players. You're like, okay, well, this guy likes to fold on um like high card off suit. Like he only likes to play when it's high card in suit or something like that. And there are people who will bluff on that. There are people who will bet on that. There are people who will raise on that. And there are these stylistic differences when it comes down to does that make that player inherently bad because they're compared to this other player? Not necessarily. It just means that they have a similar a similar style. It means they have a similar outlook on what makes a high-level product of whatever uh, competition, whatever um, activity they're embarking in. So when I get compared to Toph, I'm like, well, Toph's one of the best to do it right now. Like, Toph is the guy when I think about Melee commentary. Like, he's with a Tier 1 esports org. He it's a fat paycheck from them. He commentates Summit every single time. He commentates. He has basically priority to commentate top eight of any major he would ever want to. He just has to say, "Hey, I'm going," and the TO is like, "Yo, you want top eight? And he can be like, "Yeah, bro, why not? <laughs> sure, dude. <laughs> I, I'm Toph. Give me top eight. And um, because that's not just like a like a nepotism thing. That's not just like a yeah. Toph's been doing it forever. Toph's been doing it forever. He has a great track record, and he still is putting out sick content. He still is putting out an amazing product. So nothing but mad love for Toph because he has mastered the craft. He has shown everyone this is what it takes to be a, a top-level uh, talent on the mic. And if I'm getting compared to Toph, I mean, that's just an amazing compliment. Awesome. I'm really glad to hear that that's sort of your perspective, and it helps to remind me to, yes, if those start to roll in, it's a, it's a good thing because <laughs> truly – all the Melee podcasts that I listen to, because I do try to listen to, I mean, we're talking Austin Melee podcasts, the Waiting for Game podcast, the the Mix Up podcast, you know, Turned On for Walt and Radar. And, Shout out to Walt, man. Love yeah. that, dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Friend of the show. And the point is, is that they're all really, really, oh, Waiting for Game, all very wonderful. Do love listening to them. And so if I drew a comparison, I think... Yes, the the first thing to think should be yes. This is awesome. Somebody's actually what? That's cool. <laughs> I wanted to get to one of the questions that I had, and this is about commentary. So you have a video with Logan. Shoutouts to Logan on the All Chatty Sports YouTube channel talking about commentary because you also do coaching for commentary. The, the other than other than you. I think it might also possibly be Wisely, who does it through Medify, if I recall correctly. There's not like a long list of commentary coaches, but you are one mm -hmm. of them. And so you were coaching up with Logan because Logan did do some salt mine commentating and you were giving a lot of great notes. And I was able to get sort of an, uh, an, a look into what you feel is important for commentary, how there's different things mechanically that could be improved on or building a narrative that can be improved on feeling more comfortable in general that it takes time. But if you consider and think about it, it just becomes more natural and you won't have to feel like you have to think on commentating so much as vibing with the co-commentator that you have reacting to the melee that's happening in front of you and also allowing the viewer to do some of the work themselves. I love that point, and you made it a couple of times, Logan, I'll talk about this first, is allowing the viewer to sort of build along with the narrative that you're building, but also to let them do a little bit of that themselves and not spoon feeding them the entire time. I love that outlook because it is tempting. When I've done commentary at my local, and it's very, very small local, so nobody <laughs> try to look that up. The VODs are gone. But <laughs> but uh, what I'm saying is, is that my temptation is to embrace silence occasionally but maybe to 
say, oh, this is what I'm pointing out. These are the things I'm noticing, and I want everybody to sort of latch on to that. And what I took away from the video with Logan was the viewers are going to make up their own minds about how they perceive the game, the match that's happening in front of them, whether they know the players or not, whether or not they understand the, the gravity of the round two losers or not. Like They're, they're going to make up their own minds about it, at, at least in some way, and to sort of let that happen. Right. Yeah. Building the narrative. And I, in my commentary coaching session with Logan, I made it very akin to, you know, watching the movie versus reading the book. You know, there's always that comparison. It's like, oh, you watch the Harry Potter films, yeah, Harry Potter. Oh my God. Great films. You know, shout outs to um, all the directors, all the videographers, but you get the visual perspective of the director. You get the visual perspective of the videographer. You get the visual perspective of what the actors are trying to portray versus you read J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter. The words are on the page. And the beautiful thing about reading a brilliantly written novel, and that's what I akin good commentary to, it's it's the same as writing a beautifully written novel, If as that's what perfect commentary is, because you see what's on the screen, you see what's on the page, and you take this all in. Oh my God, it's so eloquent. It's so well put together. It's so uh, tied together. There's a beautiful bow on top and everything looks spectacular. But what's great about being able to take in that information without excess stimulus is you get to read between the lines. You get to make that picture in your brain. You get to be like, oh, but what if this, or what if there's a subconscious thinking of between this character and character A and character B? And what if there's, something that could happen in three chapters that I pulled from the subtext because I was able to make that connection. I was able to make that little visual movie in my mind. So when it comes down to, and granted, this is an extremely difficult thing with such a fast paced game like melee is in a long set, which is what I was talking to Logan about. Like if you can give the viewer a piece, give the viewer an idea, give the viewer a theme and then eloquently portray it, Make sure everything uh, comes together beautifully and then give them the opportunity to be like, oh, but what if JFlex catches on to this recovery habit? Or what if B-Bats um, starts to see that Zealot is recovering high or Zealot is um, going for this extended jump cancel wave shine combo and you can SDI on that third one because it's going a little short. Or you can see like there's that what if, what if, what if, what if. And um, what if there's a huge three-stop comeback here, and then Mango gets counterpick on game five, and Zane can't go to FD game five, and Mango can pick and set his terms and win summon. Ah! Oh my god! He shielded one frame early! It was crazy! Mango wins summit! And then so you get to see all of these perspectives. You get to see those two games on FD won by Mango. You get to see all that tension, all that crazy passion built up to this one crowning moment where it's one frame difference where it crowns a champion where it sets the president who's the best player in the world right now and it's not that tof it's not that scar it's not that fish it's not that chillin had to be like oh my god that was one frame oh my god like now they're the best player in the world blah 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 they're commentating it and they're setting it on the table and they're writing it out for you turning the page around and saying here's what this means here's what i'm saying do with this what you will, draw that conclusion, draw that narrative, and then go get hype about it on Twitter in 20 minutes. You know what I mean? So there's this awesome dichotomy of not 
shoving all this information and forcing that narrative onto people, but it's the beautiful concept of seeing all these relatively similar narratives coming together after that tournament and then seeing the discourse, seeing the conversation, seeing the, the fandoms arise of, oh my God, Magi upset Mango at Genesis and the Falco ditto. And now Magi is an insane streamer. Magi is so sick. Magi is one of the coolest Falcos to be doing it. But it all started from them winning that top 64 set at Big House that year before. I commentated that, by the way. Um, shout, that's one of my favorite sets I commentated. But you know, shout out to Sasha, one of my favorite players, honestly, right now. Shout out to Magi. And... Um, and then coming back and then having that crazy, you know, that, that was their thing. They commented, they hit that top 64 winner's side. They qualify for top 64 in a major. Three months go by and they're beating Mango on the big stage. So not only is that a special place in my heart, and I think probably one of the best examples of being able to build that narrative, because there was an awesome Reddit post by Magi's brother at the time of filming Magi getting and winning that set. And Magi's parents, like, screaming at the TV, telling Sinbad how lame they are for platform camping Magi on <laughs> Battlefield. And Magi winning the set, and then the camera pans, stays on the screen, and it's me and Chelly commentating that set. So I was a part of that, and I got to build that narrative. And then, of course, you know, three months go by, Magi upsets Mango. Magi is now a household name, builds that brand, builds that brand, builds that brand. And now Magi is one of the probably the most recognizable players in Melee today. So there's this awesome exponential growth where a commentator's job could be so impactful in those moments that they could be a lasting moment not just in the melee scene but in esports you know you can look no further than the wombo combo of course like yeah it's crazy shouting screaming commentary but that just that audio clip lives in every gamer's brain whether you know about melee or not so it's i think it's a huge duty on a good commentator to know how to provide that context, know how to pump the brakes right at the threshold where it's not shoving information down the viewer's throats, but allowing them to be gifted an additive of what's beautiful happening on the screen and being able to enhance it as best as possible. And I think that is the last step from a good commentator to a great commentator where they put a little bit of a plug on their output, on their flowing out of information because the temptation is, I'm just going to put out so much information. Everybody's keeping up. Everybody can understand what I'm talking about, obviously, right? When in a big super major in grand finals, not that every, okay, <laughs> only great commentators are usually commentating those, but on the offhand chance that you happen to be in front of a stream where 70,000 people are watching, if you're delivering so much information, there are people who are going, huh, what? And so that is the challenge. And at Summit, I'm always impressed also, Lovage was on the couch as well for Summit 11 in particular. All that to say, for people delivering information, but not too much information, is crazy. I don't know how that happens, like mechanically speaking. I just always end up coming away from it going, I love the Summit couches. It just seems like it could go wrong so fast with four people commentating, commentating or even five people, and yet usually it, it lands pretty well, even in top eight, where the temptation is just to start going into hyperdrive and talking mm -hmm. a little bit too much, but they still let the game speak for itself as well. And that's really cool. Yeah. I think it's super special about having a group of professional commentators. Like, you know, you have these awesome big names and, you know, as much as someone's personal taste can go into, you know, melee or melee commentary and commentary in general is such a subjective art. 
Uh, there are people who love my commentary. There are people who hate it. There are people who never want me to be on the mic. There are people who only want me to be on the mic. And it's different every single time because I'm not everyone's flavor of the month. I'm not everyone's taste. And when it all boils down to it, you can have so many different personalities. But when the mechanics are there, and yes, I'm going to call them like mechanics, or there is, I guess, commentary tech skill where you there is a level of trust. There's a level of professionalism that goes into if my co-commentator is speaking and they're at this level, they know when their ideas run dry. They know when to pass the mic off to someone else, and they know when how to eloquently portray their point as well as being able to tie up that point at the end to where it becomes a conversation, to where it becomes a leading point for another commentary to take commentator to take up and continue the narrative. And again, that's again, it's one of those other things where that makes a good commentator a great commentator is how do we make a point? How do we make an, um, an observation? How do we make a build a narrative to where it doesn't die after one or two sentences, but it doesn't have to be you that continues that narrative. If you have two excellent commentators together, that narrative bounces back and forth effortlessly. It's like a conversation. It's like a beautiful little freestyle between two people where it just perfectly syncs up with the gameplay. It perfectly syncs between the two minds. And it's really exasperated on the summit couch where there are moments on the summit couch where I'm like, I couldn't do that. Like I would get <laughs> lost. I would interrupt someone. I would, go on a tangent and some people would get pissed and get hot <laughs> off the mic. And I'm just like, man, Oscar is so good at knowing when to speak. I think Oscar Lovage is probably the best commentator at knowing when to speak. It's always a good piece of information. It's always wrapped and delivered in a tight uh, format. So where it's super digestible. And then he's like, all right, someone else talk. It's awesome. Like it's, it's so perfect every single time. And it blows my mind. So um, yeah, Lovage is another big inspiration to me because that's something that, I myself need to work on because I'll go on a tangent every once in a while. I'll um I'll cut off one of my co-commentators, and it it's it's uh no one's perfect. Everyone has a, a journey to make, and I'm not saying even though I coach com commentators, I I'm the best of the business. I never make mistakes, and of course, I always have my own journey, my own progression that I need to make as well. So I actually have been looking a lot towards Lovage commentary to improve my own currently. Shoutouts to Lovage. I mean, how cool would it be? Look. We want to get you to summon at some point. It would just be so cool if Lovage is coming in with the, he's just not going to be able to recover from below, Hada. Yeah. Like, how cool would that be? Okay, so, <laughs> so when sick. you have the juicy commentary blocks where you know you're getting put with a commentator who you respect and you know is going to be able to bring the good stuff, when you are able to sort of connect before the block goes live, how how much are you trying to set things up or to talk about expectations or is it just sure. about let's get comfortable talking with each other it doesn't have to be about anything specific you know let's just bullshit for five minutes and then we'll go what is something that you try to do every time when you're able to sort of connect before actually going live on the block it's not always going to be like smash and splash four where you're running around looking for a hawaiian shirt and then you sit down and go Right. Yeah, it's, uh, I brought this up in my last commentary coaching session, and uh, I do think that if you have the opportunity, find your co-commentator, reach out to them on Twitter, reach out to them on Discord, get in a little call real quick, just know, um, get to know them a little bit on a more personal level. Uh, if you have a specific commentary style that you lean towards, of course, I'm talking about color versus play-by-play, -play, which is the more uh, rigid forms of commentary, when you, especially when you see from the sporting world. Um, it's a little bit less of a blur, more of a blurred line when it comes to melee commentary, just be due to the absolute speed of the game. It's hard to just rattle, 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 rattle. 
and uh, get all those moves out, get all the techniques out, because then it just becomes reading move names off a screen, off of a piece of paper. <laughs> but when it all comes down to it, I mean, there are definitely people who more lean towards play-by-play, -play, more lean towards color. And I would say that I'm one of those people who leans more towards play-by-play, -play, whereas a lot of the top commentators are more color-based, but have the capability and the ability to rattle off and get into play-by-play -play commentary should the opportunity um, require it. So when I go and I'm talking to Shakespeare, Jackzilla, uh, Vish, who, what have you, if I have the chance to meet them, like, hi, I'm Hada, nice to meet you. Um, I loved your block, blah, blah, blah. And I, of course, if I know a week in advance, I'm going to go watch my co-commentator's blocks. I would love to do that. And that's something that I think has helped me a lot in the past. So it's like, okay, well, I can get a stylistic observation from here. These are the like, commentary-isms, I guess, if they have, like, it sounds kind of nerdy, but if they have like a catchphrase or if they have this little thing, like a uh, shout out to Zen commentator, Zen, the commentator from Minnesota. He says a uh, true halftime, which is two stocks, zero, zero percent a piece. And that's, he brings that up every single time. <laughs> so, um, so if, ever, if it ever happens, um, it's uh, two stocks to two, 50, uh, zero to zero, true halftime. It's halftime in a melee match. So shout <laughs> out to Zen. That, that's his little tidbit. And, um, my thing is, I like to I like to shout out a four percent the old the old school. It's not even that old school, but the Puff player from Northeast Ohio. So I believe Shine and a multiple of other moves just do four percent. So it's actually a very common percent to see. So if I ever just see like a a player on four percent, I'm like, yo, shout outs to Dave percent four percent, best Puff to ever do it. And so I always like to shout that out real quick. Just a just a little tidbit for the Ohio crowd. But um, the, yeah, there's a, definitely a stylistic thing where you can learn a lot and you can get over that first set, second set hump a lot more quickly. So a lot of times if you're commenting with someone you never knew, if you, let's say you're at a, a Genesis, you're at a Big House, you're at a Shine, you're at a SmashCon, and you're commenting with someone you've never commentated with before, you're going to be jumbled up between each other. You're going to be cutting each other off. You're going to be interrupting each other. But it takes that extra added step of preparation where instead of three to four sets, it might just be the first that it might just be the first half of the first set you know where it just might be a little bit awkward until you figure each other out so this is a question from a patron that we have in drew shout outs to drew this would go along with how you admitted that yes you're not the perfect commentator right as of the second of course very well qualified to coach let that not be mistaken very well qualified to coach, but still looking to improve yourself. So question from Drew would be, is there something that you feel is still lacking in your commentary game that you're looking to improve on or to add into what you do? Sure. Um, for a long time, I was a very much so kind of rigid commentator. I, again, I leaned on my play-by-play -play skills. I got a lot of my initial inspiration from Captain Flowers, who is a League of Legends commentator. And he's probably one of the best team fight commentators to do it. He's just very quick and speak very eloquently, very precisely. Even when it comes down to five players throwing five abilities at once, creating crazy crowd cancels, uh, crouch can or not crouch cancel. Oh my god, crowd control. <laughs> it's CC versus CC. Uh, crowd control <laughs> strings and oh my god, the Kaisers on the back line with the with the Void Seeker and he's putting out the damage. Uzi. Zonia's the damage. He dodges the crowd control and oh my god, pets a kill. Blah. So it's like so crazy, but that when it boils down to it, melee can be that quick. Melee can be that scrappy, especially when it comes to teams. So I used to lean on that, my ability to dissect the information and play by play it and then bring out those scrap situations as quickly as possible. And if you go back and watch my announcement video, um, 
I had a very similar thing where it was Crudo versus Hbox, uh, winners finals of the dinner table, um, which is a the Thanksgiving special that All Chat put out, and it was a crazy extended edge guard that Crudo did, and I was doing play by play, and then immediately transitioned it into analysis, and I thought it was probably one of my best and most accurately put together just pieces of information. While it wasn't as eloquently presented as I would like to, um. Maybe the delicacy of it could have been a little bit better is what I'm trying to say. Um, I definitely was proud that that is a specialty of mine that I have progressed greatly. So going into your question, I do think like the the delicacy of how I portray information and being able to make it more digestible, make it a little bit less jarring. Well, I don't think I'm a jarring commentator per se. I do think that there's something special from commentators like Wife, commentators like Lovage, commentators like Chillin, where... You hear them talk and you're relaxed. You hear them talk and you kind of just, it's one of those people like you hear someone telling a story and you're like, yeah, no, I totally, I totally understand that. Yeah, true. That's, that's actually pretty <laughs> cool. So it's like you're sitting and talking to your homie and it's, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to digest it because it just sounds like it enters your ear and it's already in your brain. You don't have to enter your ear, think about it, and then it's in your brain. You know what I mean about, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely an interesting piece that, I think it's a very difficult skill to acquire, but it's something that I'm really looking forward to working on is being able to make my content that I put out even more digestible, make it more simple, make it less effortful for your less common melee viewers. So someone who's, I brought it up earlier. This is the, I always like to say in my commentary coaching sessions that you want to commentate for the O2ers roommate. You don't want to commentate for the guy who was top 100 in 2018. You don't want to commentate for the guy who's ranked four on their city's PR. You want to commentate for the guy who goes 0-2 at their locals and his roommate. So it's like, okay, I know what Smash is, but I want it to be digestible, and I want it to bring people in as well as keep people in. So you have these guys who, okay, I'm into Smash. I'm watching my first big tournament. I'm watching... Um, I just ran onto Twitch on a Saturday and I saw that there is a a regional in Massachusetts, like the M-Mom Memorial. Let's say someone in Pennsylvania decided they liked Melee that weekend and like, I want to learn more about Melee and they watched the M-Mom Memorial in New England. And um, Sorry. they're watching the stream and um, they're getting, being able to digest it. They're being able to understand what's going on and um, they're like, okay, not only is Melee cool, but now I'm kind of starting to understand it. Now I want to go keep going to my locals versus like, eh, I'm on the fence. I, I can't seem to get better. I don't really have a passion. It's something that I just wanted to try out. And then they stop going to tournaments. You could be that difference maker that keeps people going to those locals, that brings different people into your locals. Now it'd be such a cool thing that I don't think a lot of commentators realize is that you do have a lot of influence in the greater scene on how big Melee can potentially get. Because it's not just about how pleasing the gameplay is visually. You also don't want to immediately think to yourself upon hearing the commentary, I don't like how this sounds. And it's not to the, not trying to say that that is a constant problem in commentary and melee. In fact, I think that overall commentary and melee is pretty solid. But then in the effort of trying to improve, you want to make yourself sound very like, oh, I want to listen to this person talk more as compared to, I want to listen to this person talk less actually. Right. Because that'll make somebody go from dropping into a Twitch stream to then moving on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. 
I 100% agree with you. It's definitely a special thing where I was having a conversation with uh, Hanky Panky ages ago, and he was like, you know, you're getting better at commentary, but I still mute the commentary every time. Just, But that's <laughs> at the perspective where I literally told Hanky, I'm like, Hanky, I'm not commentating for you. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, you're one of the smartest Melee players alive. You're one of the best Melee players to ever do it. One of the, by win percent, the winningest Melee player of all time by the numbers. I'm not commentating for you. You know way more about Melee than me. I'm going to sound like an imbecile to you. But what I do care about is the 30 people who go O2 with their locals and their friends who are watching the stream on a weekend who then come back to their locals and fill the pot so you can buy canes that weekend. Like, come on, dude. Like, there's a, definitely a perspective. And of course, I'm not slandering Hanky. Hanky's, a, Hanky's an amazing person, amazing player. But I, that's it's just to hammer down my, my point where you, I feel like a lot of commentators, when they're learning to comment, it's like, oh, I want to sound really smart. I want to make sure I understand every technical skill at a high level. And I think that's where a lot of people who are top players who trim to commentate fall into that hole. And that's where Logan fell into that hole. And that's what I was trying to work with him on is he was commentating at Summit and he was an excellent asset when it comes down to talking about high level Marth metagame when it comes down to relating it's Marth versus Jigglypuff, Marth versus Sheik, Marth versus Fox, Marth versus Falco, because he plays at a high level. He understands all these concepts at a high level. And when you can add four other people who can bring and build narrative, Logan's a great commentator because he's smart, because he knows a lot about the game, because he can add that perspective for the high level community. But to a lot of people who go 2 to a lot of people who go 1-1 or whatever, they're like in one ear out the other. Okay, cool. Marth stuff. But what just happened? You know, like someone tell me, like, what does this mean? How does Zane beat Plup? How does Zane beat Wizrobe? And how does this make any sense to me? Whereas Logan's talking about um, pixel perfect percents and galint timings and frame traps on tech chases. And it's like, yeah, that's great if you know at that level, but your average melee viewer isn't going to care about all that. They're going to care about building that narrative. They're going to care about building those perspectives and understanding what these small interactions mean for these bigger interactions, which means for the greater span of the tournament. Beautifully well put. Come on. This is going to be hopefully something that you're able to continue to build on as Ace expands, as Assault Mine continues to become more popular, as you continue to not only do the coaching thing, but I also suspect that you're going to have a little bit to do with like content stuff, if I had to guess, hopefully sometime in the near future. And then when it comes to goals for 2022, this is a question I have for you is, what are things that you either said to yourself or wrote down for yourself, or were you just saying, I don't need goals and goalposts. I'm just going to do my thing for this year. Yeah. Um, I kind of similar perspectives, kind of like both ends of that um, ideology. I do have some specific tangible goals, but I also have some more lifestyle goals as well. So um, I want to hit one K followers on Twitch. I want to hit one K followers on Twitter. That'd be really cool. I'm really far on Twitter. Uh, but Twitch, I'm like, got like 20 something away. So really close to that. So I'm really excited to hit that milestone at the beginning of the year. Um, of course, numbers and internet numbers be be damned. Um, you know, validate me with your internet numbers. Follow me on Twitter and Twitch if you want to. You know, do, your, do your thing. At Hey Hada. Yeah. At, hey, at Hey Hada and everything. Yeah. So if you like what I put out, you know, feel free to do that. But tangibly, you know, I'm not just a commentator. I'm not just a Smash personality. I'm also just a person. Um, have a beautiful girlfriend who I love so much. I have my step cat, which I post all the time on my Twitter. So if you like cute cats, I have a little 
Calico, who's my girlfriend's cat, and I love her. Her name's Breakfast. She's awesome. And um, but when it boils down to it, I want to be just a better person. I'm playing a lot of drop-in volleyball. Like I, I'm a I set and I play outside hitter, and that's a good time. And I do that three times a week. I've been trying to lose weight, which is uh, definitely something I've struggled with a long time. Especially being that I used to be an elite athlete. Like I was a D1 recruit for swimming when outside of high school, coming out of high school. Well, well, well. Yeah, and so I used to be got like 8% body fat shredded out of my mind when I was 18 years old. And then during the pandemic, I peaked at close to 300 pounds. And I'm like, let's not do that anymore. And, you know, that's, of course, you know, um, I was doing school. I was working and doing school from home. I was eating out a lot. I was, you know, sad because I was living by myself. And um, I've been going to the gym. I've been eating healthy, um, been going and hiking and doing awesome sports stuff with my girlfriend. And I lost a lot of weight recently. And But the thing is, is, I'm not weighing myself. I'm not trying to make that a tangible goal because in the past I've lost weight, gained it, lost weight, gained it, lost weight, gained it. Cause I couldn't find a tangible way to make that lifestyle change because there's always like, okay, I'm going to diet. I'm gonna go to the gym once, if not twice a day, and I'm gonna do it really hard and I'm going to hate myself. And then I'm going to look pretty for a couple months and then I'm going to get sad once. And then it's going to all come back. My point right now is I just want to make that lifestyle change. I want to make that lasting difference to where, I'm not looking at the number on the scale. I'm not looking at the number on my waistline. I'm looking at the, I want to look handsome at, um, so my girlfriend is the maid of honor at her best friend's wedding in May. I want to look handsome for that. Like that's that mini tangible goal. Whereas it's like, okay, I want to weigh 220 pounds by May 5th. So I can look hot on the beach in Florida at my, at this wedding with my girlfriend. No, it's like, I want to, be handsome and feel confident in the suit. And, and so I can go and my girlfriend can enjoy that experience with her best friend. So things like that, where I want to make that lifestyle change. And I going to try to post a little bit more about it on Twitter from time to time. I made a post about it a couple months ago. And it was just cause um, I was at the gym with my girlfriend and she's like, do you want to take a progress photo? And of course I'm like, Oh, I don't like weighing myself. I don't want to see the tangibility. I, I, I don't want to measure it per se, but I'm like, it looked like it would make her happy because I was teaching her how to do like free weights and lifting. And she wanted to get start going into like weightlifting and getting stronger. So we both have these tangible goals. And um, she goes along lines like, yeah, just like front side back. And I'm like, I saw this picture and I'm like, God, I don't like how that looks. And then we got, we've been working out. We've been eating right. And then we'd both gotten some kind of cold, some kind of flu, something or other. And um, we were sick for like two days, so we couldn't go to the gym. And by the end of that, I'm like, I, I like looked at myself in the mirror and like, you know how you kind of just look gray. You've been sweating. You're all gross. But then I kind of like, like peered down and I'm like, I look a little thinner. And so I'm like, hey, can you take a progress photo right now? And she's like dying in the bed on the couch or whatever and she's like what like she's just nauseous as all hell and i'm like no i just need to see it right now so i put the side by side and it's on my twitter it's actually pretty recent um where i'm like wow like that's like a like two waist sizes that's a it's a tangible visible thing and it was a really big like i guess like ego boost but definitely a motivator to see that the progress i'm making in moving back to Colorado into meeting wonderful people like my girlfriend, like the melee community, like the people I'm playing sports with and these awesome connections. And of course, all chat being a huge part of that, um, being able to bring a activity that I have a lot of passion, a lot of pride in, and that I can put tangible effort in and see a beautiful product come out 
with all chat, with the salt mind, with coaching, with content creation, on top of just being a better person, really makes me feel like a full, complete version of myself. Whereas, you know, during college, when I'm just driving all over the Midwest, going to these tournaments and making it back and studying for my pre-med exams and trying to make sure that I'm being just a float. I was, there was a solid year and a half where I think it was like 2017, 2018, where like the only time I looked happy was when I was on the mic and at a, at a regional or at a national commentating. Like I was, I was run ragged. I was miserable. I was heavy and it was just a bad time for Hada, but so I'm, I, I like to say that um, even though the pandemic is still raging and people are sick and, you know, life hasn't quite returned to normal, I do think that this has been one of the better years for me. And um, I'm hopefully on an upward trajectory, and I hope that you guys will hang out with me and uh, keep me honest and uh, see how far we can take this. That's awesome. On the spectrum of – because it's different for everybody in terms of looking in the mirror and liking what they see. And I'm just curious for, for from your perspective, like how much of it's all ties into – how much of it do you feel t- ties into into Melee? Like do you think that there's a life lesson in there at some point that shows you I want to be more confident in something or I want to reach for this outside of the Melee sphere in, ter- in terms of sure. living life? Because for me, I couldn't get into doing anything in Melee, going to tournaments or doing this podcast or doing anything – barely even being involved in the melee scene on Twitter, which doesn't, it's not, it's not as involved as like in discords and like actually contributing to the discourse of the community. I was just big lurker for a long time because I wasn't really confident enough in myself to express myself through melee, but you, you seem to be able to do that. Uh, you know, from 2014 on, and even through times where you're not feeling super great about how you might be looking like in the mirror, but still going out and doing all these things how does how does melee like bring out at least enough confidence to say i want to have this and 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 feel good about being involved in melee at the very least sure uh i like to make this joke that um my one semester of improv saved my life so um, i was wondering if we were going to talk about improv tonight (laughs) let's go yeah um it's i legitimately believe that one semester of improv changed my life and honestly saved it it's um I needed a theater credit, like an arts credit for my finishing out my liberal arts program before I started doing health service administration at my university. And my friends on my ultimate Frisbee team were like, oh, let's go ultimate Frisbee. UBS fat. Sorry. I had to come in with the. Oh yeah. Zach, love, Zach did play. Um, I love ultimate Frisbee. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're totally fine. Shout out to ultimate um, and the ultimate community. You know, I always say I'm an ultimate player and they're like, Nash and I'm like no not even close <laughs> but anyway I digress so I took this improv class and of course you know there's the joke yes and you know always respond with yes and and I legitimately believe it made me more confident it made me more charismatic it made me significantly easier to talk to because there is at least in my past because I was so self-conscious I spoke like like I had a massive ego Like it was difficult to talk to me from time to time because I felt like I had to overcompensate because I wasn't confident in what I was portraying physically that I felt like I had to make up for that with what was coming out of my mouth. I had to be funnier. I had to be flirtier. I had to be um, more interesting, more intelligent, something like that. And um, it's because like I hated what I was non-verbally projecting. And when you're doing improv, it doesn't matter what you look like. It's, if you're witty, if you're cooperative, if you are just 
happy to be there. Half the the trouble of being good at improv and even as it relates to commentary, if you're happy to be there and you're enjoying what you're putting out, it's so much easier to put out a good product when it really boils yeah. down to it. Yep. So when it came down to having meaningful relationships, when it came to being good on commentary, when it came down to building, even doing job interviews, stuff like job interviews, knowing how to roll with the punches, knowing how to be affirmative, knowing, you know, yes. And yes. And is actually extraordinarily useful. It's a really useful tool um, because it, it makes people feel validated and drives the conversation. And that's what improv is about. You're building a narrative, you're building a story. And um, when it came down to is like, I really needed to accept the narrative of my life and be able to build on that. I was so, obsessed with hiding from the awful narrative that my life was currently it's like i had no relationship with my parents at this time we were fighting about you know what i was going to do with my life you're wasting all your money traveling all over the country for smash you are really heavy and you don't take care of yourself and you're not doing great in school i was doing fine i wasn't doing great but i could have been like working harder to be a more meaningful version of myself and so I was falling apart with that family relationship. I was falling apart with my health. I was falling apart with my friendships to where when I only times I felt I was my most authentic self was when I was yes. Anding on the mic, <laughs> when I could build that perspective and build that narrative where it wasn't about me. It was about something else that was always beautiful. It was something that was always interesting. It was something that was always so impactful that it drew 1200 people to an auditorium in detroit michigan you know what i mean it's like there's this awesome thing where you can be a part of something that's already interesting that's already beautiful and then you can yes and that and make it even better so it was the complete inverse of what i felt about myself and i think that's what i was hiding about in my commentary at the time is i don't like what i'm doing so i'm gonna yes and times five to overcompensate for that and that was jarring and it wasn't until i accepted the flaws about myself and started working about them, working on them tangibly, that I feel like I could really take a back step and breathe and accept that, okay, I'm a flawed person. Okay, I have a lot of work to do. Now, let's just be who I want to be and work towards that and see where this can actually take me. Growth journey. You know, Growth what I love listening to about with the Wannabes podcast, who I forgot to shout out earlier amongst all the other Melee podcasts, shout out to the Wannabes, very inspirational to me. Wasabi talked about Melee being a really important part of his life because there were a lot of things that were not going super well otherwise, but then Melee was a constant. And it's really cool to hear in different ways what Melee means to people, but it sounds like there's a, a little bit of a similarity there where Melee can be something that's that's good and can be reliable, something that can give you the, the good feels because there might not be a whole lot of areas in your life where you're getting a feeling of happiness from. And maybe that's going to be something you hold on to for a little while until other things start to stabilize, other things start to turn around and get better because another thing to say, it always gets better, right? There, even in the even in the midst of 2021 not being super great, you, you said yourself that it was one of the better years for you because of different improvements and different awesome things that happened for you. And it doesn't happen just in a vacuum. It took the buildup of the previous years leading up to this past year and making this year of 2022 hopefully better above and beyond all that fun stuff so i love hearing how for you melee was 
was and is something that is a, a happiness filler, serotonin uh, inducing thing uh, that you're able to be able to grow into it, but also that because of that being something you could hold on to, yes, ending with improv, that you're also able to turn around other parts of your life that you were not necessarily happy with, but are coming to better terms with, and also finding improvements, finding ways to say, oh, yes, I am excited about this now. This is really cool. Yeah. I've uh, always drawn mainly back to being the true constant. Like, even in my darkest times, I could always go to a tournament and hang out with friends and then get canes afterwards and play mafia. And whether it be actually just like being on the setup or just hanging out at the venue, watching the tournament or going into dinner afterwards or having, having a drink at the bar or whatever, what have you being able to make those legitimate relationships and then being able to expand on them. And as you know, especially since my, when my traveling started to take off when I started to go and I would, find little pockets in these different scenes all across the Midwest, all across the East and West coast, where I would, I would joke with, uh, with friends of mine who didn't know much about mail. It's like, I could drop in any city in the country and probably find a place to crash for the weekend. Yeah, that's exactly no, right. No problem. <laughs> Which is absolutely outrageous to some people. And, um, it actually reminds me of a story about, you know, someone we brought up earlier, which is a turn down for Walt. Um, friend of the show, super sick guy, and honestly one of the best content creators to do it. And I think he's actually on the Melee Stats podcast right now. We were actually uh, as we he, speak, we, yeah, like as we speak, he, we're both on podcasts right now. And um, back in God, it was Big House Eight. It was Big House Eight, and he had never been to a major, but he was a content creating machine. And we watched each other's streams, and we, of course, I loved his content, and. Um, he was in my Twitch chat and I was playing friendlies with some friends. He's like, Hey, do you want a room for big house? I've never been to a major. I'm like, yeah, I'm down. And so we started talking about logistics and he goes, it's, I have this voucher because I canceled the flight a year ago and it's about to run out, but it won't fully cover my round trip to Detroit. Um, so I guess I'm going to have to pay a little bit out of pocket. And I'm like, check what the uh, prices to, to Cincinnati and it fully covered it. And he got like a little bit of money back and he's like, Oh, well, why? I'm like, well, I'm from Cincinnati and I'm driving two people up with me. Just meet me in Cincinnati. I'll pick you up from the airport and then we'll just go. And he goes, okay. And so <laughs> mind you, we had never met before. He's flying to a city where he knew zero people to meet with a person he had never met before to jump in his car and drive to another city where he knew no one and had never been before. And I'm like, if you tell any rational human being that story, <laughs> you're like, you are going to die. Like, the person's going to rob you, stab you, and dump you in a cornfield somewhere in Indiana. Like, that's just how it's going to go. And when we think about it, it's like there's just that level of camaraderie and trust and friendship in the Melee community where Turn Down for Walt flew to a city he had never been to to meet with a person he had never met to hop in a car and drive three hours with two other people he had never met to room with six people he had never met for an entire weekend and then trust that person after that weekend to drive back to Cincinnati, get him on a plane so he could go home and continue his life safely. That's psychotic, but it's awesome that that's a real thing. So shout outs to Walt. He's one of my, honestly, my friends for life. Um, we like Snapchat back and forth. He sends me a picture of his dog. I send a picture of my cat. And um, breakfast in Nala. Oh, breakfast in Nala, dude. It's 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 a good time. So guys, if 
if you drive nothing from me and if you don't care about my socials at all, show some love to Walt. That's my guy right there. That's what that's a day one friend for life. So big ups to him. And um it's crazy that a friend. We have to like circle back to full bloom. Full bloom? All right, yeah, we can go back to full bloom. So um yeah, so shout out to the Flu Bloom series, you know, bringing back um it, it's those tournaments where you meet those lifelong friends as as when it really boils down to it, yeah, the tournament can be great. Um Zane can triple four stock H box in grand finals in the most dramatic fashion. <laughs> um you could make it out of top sixty-four, you could do this, you could do that, you could win teams. But it's the tournaments that stick to me are the ones where I've made those lifelong friends. It's where I rekindled that relationship and that friendship with Fizz. It's where I made lifelong friends with um with Turn Down for Wall. And the full bloom series, it's like that tournament where it was an hour and 45 minutes away from me. It was very accessible. The the TO staff always ran a sick tournament. The the venue was awesome. I made friends every single time I was there. Um I <laughs> I can't believe this happened, actually. I had separately on different occasions made friends with just about every booth vendor there. So at Full Bloom 3, I got a set of free buttons. Sword Railer, the artist from SoCal, bought me Taco Bell. Nez Mod God fixed my controller for free. And um, the TO staff um, got me front row seats with um, with the organizers for Top 8. So Ooh. I'm just like, it's all about making those friendships, man. It's all about... Um, building those relationships and it's some it's just a cool thing where it was the perfect regional slash major it was a really big regional to where you could still feel like you could talk to everybody but it wasn't quite a major where like you're drowning in a sea of 1400 people just scrambling to get to their pool on time so shout out to the full bloom staff i know due to covid and all that stuff i don't think they've had a tournament in a while but hopefully one day they'll come back Yes, hopefully this is the year. So, Hada, thank you so much for taking the extra time. We covered a lot of different things, and I really appreciate you keeping up with me, all the questions, all the topics. And so, yes, this is the last thing we got to do. We got to tell the people where they can find you, where you want them to funnel down to. This is the top of the funnel, right, for the <laughs> for the remaining people who are still listening. We got to funnel them into more of you stuff. Sure, yeah, Um I'm at Hey Hada on Twitch and Twitter. Um, I tweet about everything from, you know, my League of Legends solo queue games to, hey, I'm commentating this to, hey, you ever think about how, like, are cows black with white spots or white with black spots? You know, as a, I'm an absolute social media psychopath from time to time where I just tweet the dumbest shit. But um, I, I like to stream. I love to talk to my chat, whether I'm playing like survival games like raft and just listening to lo-fi and chilling or i'm playing league of legends and screaming about how gold na players are some of the worst human beings on the planet or i'm playing melee with some friends i really love teams if you guys like teams trying to stream more teams shout out to doubles um yeah i mean i play peach i play on the box so if you think that's cool i mean there's that but that's very and if cool, you're yeah. And if you're interested in commentary, if you want some tips, if you want some tricks, if you want to, if you need help connecting to local TOs, whether that be on the um, online tournaments or helping to, you know, get some communication going between your local TOs, seeing if you can get some commentary blocks. I know that, again, I'm just going to throw it back and this is going to be, um, this is a callback to our first bit where, you know, Justin Zetz, uh, Zetz was the catalyst that started my Melee career by literally tearing me a new one and giving me advice about commentary because it's something... I thought I would be passionate about something I could be good at. So if I can be that catalyst for you, 
if you need me to listen to a block of yours, listen to a set that you commentated and you need some critique or if you need some advice or if you need some help connecting to people who do Friday Night Melee, people who do the Salt Mine, people who do uh, TMT. I'm friends with a lot of the online TOs, so I'm more than happy to connect you to see if we can get you um, some pools commentary because I know back in the day, if you didn't have a stream at your locals, it was so difficult to start as a commentator because you had no way to get your voice out there. But with all the online tournaments going on right now, it's the best and easiest time to start your commentary journey. And I'm more than happy to be that um, that mentor, that teacher, that friend that can help you get that started. Because if you feel that that's your way that you can bring back and provide value back to the Melee community, like it has for me, um, I'm more than happy to help you guys do that. Twitch.tv slash HeyHada, Twitter.com slash HeyHada, or whatever it is, HeyHada, at HeyHada. There we go. That's it. That's it. Nailed it. You can find all those things in the description below. Hada, thank you so much for joining me on Bottom of Smash Mountain. All right, thank you so much, Cypher. Thanks for having me.